Good morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. So Alan's wondering when you start. Dad's wondering when old age starts. I guess that puts me in the middle. I feel young, but sometimes my physical says, eh, getting old. I too enjoyed the Sunday school lesson. Children, this is a simple question. What happens when you throw a rock into the water? It sinks, okay? Yeah, the rock sinks. What else happens? Anybody else want to guess? It makes rings. It makes rings. You're right where I'm going to go. Why is it, maybe you don't do this, but I find for myself it's easy to do. One of the first things you do when you come to water is pick up a rock and throw it in, right? Why? I mean, I invariably, well, I'll be looking for a flat rock to see how far or how many times I can skip it. Little boys like to pick up rocks and throw rocks in and big splash. I like to think about ripples. The ripple effect. Something about sitting along or sitting beside a still pond or lake, it's smooth, it's like glass. You take a little rock or a big rock or a little pebble and you throw it. And it's either a big splash or it's a little bloop. And there's a little ripple, it's just away they go. Now the bigger the rock, the bigger the ripples. And there is at some point that those ripples do stop. So the lower the ripples, they aren't going to travel as far as the big ripples. And there's a physics law to that. And it's hard for me to explain it, but it has to do with the energy in it and equal equaling out as it as it loses loses its energy. How many have heard of the Hunga Tonga? No one heard of the Hunga Tonga? <laughs> I see your... Alan, what was it? Okay, no. This is something that happened on January 15th. Nobody heard about the volcano that happened in Tonga? This was an eruption. It was called the Hunga Tonga. And this just happened on January 15, 2022 in the South Pacific. This volcano is only in the 5% to cause tsunamis. And it triggered, which was triggered by it. And these waves were measured by, or were measured thousands of miles away. 
They were measured as far away. So if you know, if, if you don't know where Tonga is, it's down on the south side of the Pacific. Probably closest main or not even islands or whatever would be the the Philippines and stuff. Uh, Australia would be down there, New Zealand. These waves traveled all the way around and came to the east side of the United States into the Caribbean. They measured, it triggered not a huge tsunami, but just waves that were from that volcano. Uh, the National Oceanic Atmosphere Administration, uh, they have buoys out in the ocean that alert them to these tsunamis. And uh, this is what caused great interest to them. This volcano, probably the only one that was ever comparable to it, or the last comparable to it, was back in 1883. This volcano only lasted about 11 hours. But it, um, it sent ash up into the atmosphere 30... 36 miles and pretty much I think the tsunami waves that hit the little island there were four feet high pretty much flooded them out but the speed of these waves from that volcano were traveling at a speed of 670 miles an hour and this is what has the scientists somewhat baffled or puzzled what caused this speed? And what they are thinking is that it is like a, uh, it's where the air pressure is changed. And so air, the air pressure above it has changed and the air pressure is, is moving at the same speed as the wave. And so the energy from the air and the water together are moving forward. And that is what combined together made it a worldwide event. And everywhere in the world noticed a rapid air pressure change all around the globe from one volcano. Now that was one big ripple. I'd like you to think about ripples. Now, I wouldn't call that a ripple, I'd call that waves. But it's still it's still a ring, it's still something that was affected by uh, an event that hot lava, gases exploding into cold water caused a, even caused a sonic boom that was even heard all the way up to Canada and Alaska. And that is like 8,000 miles, give or take. What kind of influence are you having to those around you? Ripples can be changed for the influence that we have. What kind of influence do you have? If you think about, this is kind of going along with our Sunday school lesson. I really didn't think I was going to overlap, but as the songs were sung, as the devotional went, and Sunday school went on, I'm thinking, hmm, 
Here we go again. It's all right. Are your ripples positive or negative? Tell you a story. Or read you a story. One evening, early evening, a lonely country road, an old man was standing on a bridge high above the deep river. He had just dropped a pebble over the railing to see how long it would take to hit the water. As he was watching the rings fan out, along came a pickup truck. It slowly came to a stop, but the motor kept running. The old man noticed the the name painted on the door was Jack's Greenhouse Nursery. Walking up to the window, he saw the man behind the wheel with his head bowed low, breathing heavy. Is anything wrong, he asked. Yes, the man said quietly. I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm trying to get to the hospital. Let me help, said the old man. You shouldn't be driving. The hospital's a good ten miles from here. I know, murmured the man. I'm Jack, and I'm a widower. I was all alone at my nursery after my employees had left for the day. Don't worry, Jack, said the old man. I'll drive you there. He opened the door, took the wheel, and drove as fast as he could down the road. When they arrived at the emergency entrance to the hospital, the attendants rushed (coughs) out with the wheelchair and quickly wheeled Jack to the emergency room. The old man waited through the night. He knew what it was like to be alone without family or friends in time of need. He too was a widower. He had lived alone since his wife had died several months before. The doctors were able to save Jack's life. They took the old man... They, t- they told the old man that Jack would, would have died if he had not arrived just a few minutes later. A week passed. Jack was getting well. Several of his employees came to visit, as did the old man. While everyone was gathered around his bedside, Jack told the hard, took the hand of the old man and said to his employees, This dear gentleman saved my life, even though we, are, even though we were perfect strangers, and I want you to know, He created a ripple effect in all of our lives. By saving my life, he saved my business. By saving my business, he saved the jobs of 30 families. We all all owe him so much. There was silence as all the eyes turned toward the old man. He gave a gracious smile, but there were tears in his eyes. He gently leaned over the railing of the bed and whispered to Jack, I have to tell you something, Jack. You saved my life. Just about the time you drove up in your truck, I was about to jump off that bridge. Now I know how important every life on earth is to every other. It is just as you said, Jack, the ripple effect. Our lives have tremendous effect on each other. Everything we do, everything we say may start as a tiny ripple and has the potential to create massive waves upon your life and upon the lives of others. You don't have to look too far around us to see uncertainty and chaos in the world. And as I was trying to consider or think of a character, an example in the Bible, someone that had good influence, someone that had a good ripple effect, And I couldn't help but think of Ruth. And I invite you to turn to Ruth. We're going to look at the first chapter. 
And I'll read the entire chapter. Ruth chapter 1. It's a very familiar account, very familiar story. But yet it's very real. We could say it's down to earth. There has feelings that we can feel with, with it. Ruth chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malan and Chilon, Ephraimites of Bethlehem, Judea. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the woman of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malan and Jillian died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Naomi to return to... Sorry. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judea. And Naomi said unto her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. And if I should say, I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieves me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth claved unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people, and unto her gods return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried, and the Lord do so to me. And more also, if aught, but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left, speaking unto her. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they came to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me, be- me home again 
empty. Why then call me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. I'd like to set the frame. If you take a, a frame, a picture, we'll call the first frame the political frame. Beginning of that chapter gives us a clue what was happening. There was a famine in the land. It was during the time that the judges ruled. It was a bleak time for them. If you would go back into Judges, there is this continuing seesaw of returning to God and then falling away, returning to God and falling away. And one judge would uh, come to rule or however... It would save them, and then they would return. And it would seem like the return back to their folly was worse than the first. And it just kept getting worse and worse. If you turn to Judges chapter 2, just go back. we we'll read a few verses in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. And also all the generations were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their father, fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were around about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger and they forsook the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth. People of Israel were continuing to struggle and to follow other gods, serve other gods, and were not faithful to the God, the Lord, that had delivered them out of Egypt. Remember, too, that this is a a promise that uh, God had made to Abraham that his descendants are going to be like the sand of the sea and that that they're going to be a blessing to the world. Each generation seemed to progressively, progressively get worse and worse. There's a story in the end of the Judges there that I'm not even going to read. You can read it for yourself. But it is so despicable, so... I don't even know what the word is. Just far, far out. You turn to Judges chapter 21, verse 25.
This is the con- concluding words. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. The people did that which was right in their eyes. Frame of politics is a world that is out of control. A world of chaos. A world without God. Was the famine in the land a punishment to show who God is? I don't know. Could be. But obviously a famine in the land back in that time, that era, meant life or death. If you didn't get water, if it didn't rain, you didn't get crops. You didn't get food. So, we have the account of four people making a trek from Bethlehem to the land of Moab, which was probably about 50 miles, and it was on the other side of the Dead Sea. So we have refugees leaving their home land and going to another land. They get there. These first six verses of Ruth, there's a lot that happens. She loses her husband. Then her two sons are married. And they marry natives. And then her two sons die. So this first chapter is more about Naomi than Ruth. And we have, she's a widower. She's a widow. She is a refugee. She um, has had to have a funeral for two of her sons. A lot has happened. In those days, in that culture, for a woman to not have a husband meant that she had nothing. And it wasn't that long, only ten years. And Naomi hears that the people back in Bethlehem, that there is, the Lord has met them again, and she wants to return. And she stumbles or walks back to Bethlehem and the people there are having to, is that Naomi? A lot has happened to you. I have a feeling there was a different air, a different uh, picture with her after all that she had been through. And her reply is, don't call me Naomi. Naomi, the word, her name Naomi means pleasant. But she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter. 
third frame, the second frame was that of Naomi, zooming in onto her and her response to the situation. Forgot to mention that. And how she responded. She still seemed to have a, a, uh, a care. She still had some, uh, recollection or, um, a sense of God's presence because when she was on her way back and was there with her two daughter-in-laws telling them that go back to your land. You're going to be far better off going back to where you came from. Find a husband back there. She said, I'm old. For me to get married again and have a son and you to wait is not even feasible. That's not even much hope. Go back. Does that sound similar to another account? Abraham and Sarah being promised a son in their old age? Centuries before this? And what happened there? Then move forward. Let's move, move down the line. Ruth, or uh, Naomi and Ruth. So Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law, and she gets married, and she has a son. And Opa, is that right? Opa, I think, um, is her son's name. And then he has a son named Jesse. And Jesse has a son named David. So, Ruth would have been a great-grandmother to David. If I have that right. And that is in the line, the lineage of Jesus. And what happened when Jesus came into the world? We have Caesar reigning, and he's telling making a mandate that all those have to go back to where they originated from, their ancestry uh, background or their country or their residing for accounting. What does that do to Joseph and Mary? They have to travel. And Mary's pregnant with Jesus. And of course, we know the story. There was no room and Jesus came into the, the world in a stable here were people that had to leave their home. They were refugee, refugees. This morning I just got a notice that the Ukraine refugee has surpassed 10 million. How would it be if we had to leave? Leave that was familiar to us. To go to a foreign land... Here's this family, for the, for the life of them, for the sake of their life, they had to leave, to live. And then not only in all that, but there's death. The loss of a husband, the loss of two sons, nothing left.
third frame I want to zoom into is this is Ruth, Ruth the Moabite. She's not a Jew. She'd still be somewhat connected to them, though, through Abraham and Lot. And if you remember what happened there, there was a dispute. So the Jewish people did not highly esteem the Moabite people at all. And Ruth chose to go with Naomi back to her country, back to her people, and to serve her God. The other daughter-in-law, Orpha, she agreed to Naomi's request and she returned. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or turn me back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. Where you will be buried, may the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well. If I, if death part me from you. In other words, Naomi is completely committed. I am all in. Somewhere the word cling Something that clings. You can't get it off. That's the picture that I get. Naomi is just clinging to Naomi. She wants to be there with her. What we see in Ruth is a common theme throughout the Bible. The example of God's promise to the world is best exemplified not in the chosen people of Israel, but more in the people and the person of a foreign country, like Ruth. Look back in the story of, of uh, Joshua. There God worked with a woman named Rahab, with the spies that came in. Example of God's promise. Sometimes he uses people that are on the... Can I say the fringe, the edge, what we don't think maybe are qualified, but yet they are chosen by God to be part of His plan. I want you to think about how the ripples go. We have people in our lives that are human. They have failures. These ripples go out to them. And these ripples can have either a positive effect or a negative effect. What effect are we going to have to change the world? And if you look at Ruth and her commitment to Naomi... And how she was willing to make that change from being a, uh, a Moabite in her, to her country or whatever. She wanted, she was willing to become a foreigner and take on, uh, 
being with Naomi. And that commitment, that ripple that she started with, rippled all the way down to Jesus. She was part of that plan. What an impact. It is by sacrifice that we can have the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ and have the hope of eternity. As you think of Jesus, that ripple that went all the way down to Jesus and how Jesus also became human and took on man and was lived and walked and impacted people. In the Sunday school, it was talked about um, the verse, uh, I forget how it was, the books, learning and whatever. I instantly thought of Jesus' life, how the books cannot contain what all He did. He did so much. The messages that He taught, the life that He lived, the examples that He, that he ex- lived by example, the books cannot contain. So we have a big and crazy political frame with the world around about us that's maybe in chaos, falling apart. And then we have the frame of Naomi, the bitter widow. And then we have the frame, the faithful Ruth. And I want to set the stage for one more frame. And that you find in the very last verse of chapter 1, verse 22. Now Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Let's zoom in on the barley. The famine is over. There's food. There's a harvest. You get the picture of a field of barley, the heads of grain waving in the wind. What do you see? You see bread. You see food. You see life. You see hope. Here is a bitter woman and a faithful foreigner returning from a decade of despair. Coming back to their hometown and it's the beginning of the barley harvest. Life is pain. And pain is real. There is more to life, I know. But it would be, I'd be a fool to say that you can live a painless life. But even in our worst pain, we'll bow to the life of that God has planned. Pain does not have the final say over our life. God does.
no matter how out of control your life might be right now, we must remember that there is always hope. Even though the nations have turned from God to chase after idols, power, wealth, and self-indulgence, God's promise can be found in the most unlikely places through the most unlikely people. Ruth was committed to Naomi. God is committed to his promises and God made that God made to us. And we'll discover the story of Ruth, that of true faithfulness, the true way of God. It is a commitment to other people, to other people. That's the kind of commitment God has and wants us to make. Are you in? What kind of ripple are you going to make? Let us cling to that hope. That last song, 821 that we sang this morning, I thought went very well. It says, Lead me, O Father, in the paths of peace. Verse 2, Lead me, O Father, in the paths of truth. Verse 3 is, Lead us, O Father, in the paths of right. And then 4 is, Lead us, O Father, to that heavenly rest. However rough and steep the path may be, through joy or sorrow, as thou deemest best, until our lives are perfectly perfected in thee. What kind of ripple are you sending out? I have a poem I want to close with. Drop a pebble in the water. Just a splash and it is gone. But there's half a hundred ripples circling on and on and on, spreading, spreading from the center, flowing on out to the sea. And there is no way of telling where the end is going to be. Drop a pebble in the water. In a minute, you forget. But there's a little waves a-flowing, and there's a ripple circling yet. And those little waves a-flowing to the great big wave have grown. You've disturbed a mighty river just by dropping in a stone. Drop an unkind word or careless. In a minute it is gone, but there's half a hundred ripples circling on and on and on. They keep spreading, spreading, spreading from the center as they go, and there's no way to stop them once they've started them to flow. Drop an unkind word or careless. In a minute you'll forget, but there's little waves flowing, and there's ripples circling yet. And perhaps, in some sad heart, a mighty wave of tears you've stirred, and disturbed a life was happy ere you dropped that unkind word. Drop a word of cheer and kindness, just a flash, and it's gone. But there's half a hundred ripples circling on and on and on, bearing hope and joy and comfort to each splashing, dashing wave, till you wouldn't believe the volume of one kind word you gave. Drop a word of cheer and kindness. In a minute you forget. But there's gladness still a-swelling, and there's joy a-circling yet. And you've rolled a wave of comfort, whose sweet music can be heard over miles and miles of water, just by dropping one kind word.